It's 11.30 here on this cloudy Thursday. Temperature's a bit warmer. We'll have more on that here in just a little bit, but thanks for tuning in to the World Voice of Nebraska. Tyler Cavalli along with you as we start midday today. Jason Jorgensen is in for sports. We'll hear from him in just a couple of moments. Bob Brogan will scurry his way in here in just a couple minutes as well. He'll tell us how stocks are performing as we near the end of this week. But let's get caught up with our own Susan Littlefield. And uh, Susan, how are things uh, your way? <laughs> well, it's a little cloudy, but it's kind of interesting. Yesterday, you know, we were talking about the Rural Radio Forum. Mm-hmm. And I was in the middle of doing an interview for the Rural Radio Forum on the importance of fire and EMS to rural Nebraska when my pager went off. Mm. That seems so, uh, very fitting. It is very fitting. So I'm actually kind of talking to you from the back of an ambulance right now. Okay. No patience. Okay. Let me, let me clarify that. No patience. <laughs> I don't know if you should be talking to us, but okay, no patience. You're, you're good then. All right. Well, what we're do you on ha- our way back. Good. What, what do you have for us uh, coming up today on Midday? Hey, we're going to kick it all off here at 1219. There's an organic Zoom series that's going to be taking place, and we'll get more details on that. Then at 1245, oh, my page is going off again. 1245, the Leopold Conservation Winners. We're going to hear from the Switzer Ranch out of Luke County. And then at 117, Women in Agriculture. We'll find out more about Erin Faye Stat and her involvement in agriculture. So that's the farm team on a midday. Okay, very good. Sounds like you're uh, going to be busy here, so we will let you go. Thanks for calling in. Thanks, guys. Yep. All right, that's Susan Littlefield on the job right now. Thank you very much. Let's turn things over to uh, Jason Jorgensen in sports. And what do you have for us today? Uh, we're going to hear from Husker kicker Connor Kolb. He is one of the uh, top returners for Nebraska. Of course, he ended up being the uh, All-Big Ten kicker last year as a graduate transfer for the Huskers. That's one area where Nebraska was improved in the field goal situation. Also, to tell you about UNK women's basketball coach Carrie Amy Quite an award for Carrie. She was named National Coach of the Year at the Division II level by one publication. Give me the lowdown on that. She's a winner. She's a driven person, one of the most professional people I've ever dealt with. And I've been at this a little while, and it's uh, good to see her be honored. She, uh, she and her staff, they've done a good job of rebuilding the Loper Women's Basketball Program. It seems to be wherever she goes, winning kind of yep. follows her. And that's impressive mm-hmm. uh, from the NAI level now to uh, Division Two. So I think, uh, you know, it's a big horizon for her. And congratulations to her and UNK overall. So that's some good press for uh, Loper basketball. And don't forget, you still have time. Loper football backers banquet is tonight in mm-hmm. Kearney. Social hour starts at 530. If you'd like to go, tickets are still available. Just find the link krvn.com on our community calendar page we hope to see you there they're expecting a crowd somewhere between maybe 550 600 people at the unicenter at the unicenter is this mm-hmm. to remind everybody where that's mm-hmm. at okay and you said five o'clock when things get started Five thirty social 5:30. hour starts right. auction after that okay very good well, let's turn things over to bob broken bob what do you have for us here on this thursday Stocks are a bit lower this morning pulled down by banks and tech companies Also, the number of Americans applying for unemployment aid fell last week. Sales of previously occupied U.S. homes fell in March for the second straight month. Jaguar Land Rover is suspending production. They're having problems getting microchips, which is kind of a problem across the whole industry. They can't get microchips, and by golly, you know, we need those microchips. So those are some of the stories we're watching. Okay, sounds good. Appreciate it. All that and more coming up on Midday. 
It's time for regional ag weather update here on this cloudy Thursday, and it's brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. Let's catch up with our own Paul Perkins. I'm Paul Perkins with the check of your ag weather. Spotty chances for rain will continue into the evening as low pressure departs to the east. Winds gradually diminish tonight with temperatures dropping to near freezing. Tomorrow and Saturday, expecting seasonal temperatures with some lighter northerly winds in behind the passage of a front. Sunday and Monday will be our warmest days of the next seven when a ridge of high pressure moves overhead. Highs on Sunday warming into the 70s. Monday's highs 20 degrees warmer than average on into the 80s. South winds will be breezy with the approach of low pressure. With that area of low pressure tracking through the plains, rain and thunderstorms are possible by Tuesday through Wednesday, and temperatures drop back to seasonal. In the long-term forecast, Nebraska and Kansas temperatures mostly seasonal or near normal for Tuesday through May 5th. That better chance of milder temperatures during the middle of next week. The Nebraska and Kansas forecast indicates near normal to slightly above normal precipitation for Tuesday through May 5th. Soil temperatures at 7 this morning and at 4 inches down, mostly in the mid to upper 30s. Soil temperatures in the low 40s were found over southeast Nebraska into central and east Kansas. In the regional drought monitor, Nebraska dropped a percentage point to 38% drought free. No dryness concerns continue to be found along and east of a line from Burwell to Broken Bow, Kearney, and Franklin. Most other areas of Nebraska remain abnormally dry to a moderate drought. The driest areas are from Perkins to Frontier County on into the southwest corner where it is a severe drought. Kansas dropped four percentage points to 74% drought free. It continues to be abnormally dry to a moderate drought in western areas along and west of a line from Norton to Gove and Mead. Small pockets of severe drought remain in Cheyenne to Rollins County and in the southwest corner of Kansas. Key weather factors influencing the markets include rainy weather for the Midwest and Delta and only light rain for Brazil winter corn areas in the eastern and southern Midwest. Moderate to heavy rain in the next week will be unfavorable for field work and spring planting. Recent temperatures may have been low enough to damage winter wheat and any emerged corn. Midwest temperatures will be warmer for next week, allowing improved chances for crop prospects in areas with less rain. The Delta had another night of freezing temperatures, possibly damaging to wheat and emerged soybeans. Widespread rain and above normal temperatures are expected for the Delta this weekend and again next week. Any heavy rain will further delay their planning. Central and southern Brazil's forecast continues to indicate only light rain the next seven days. The end of the rainy season appears to be starting for central Brazil. The rainy season coming to an end will be unfavorable for second crop corn, which was mostly planted later than average. With the check of your ag weather, I'm Paul Perkins. Hi, I'm Dave Kaius, host of Barbecue Radio Nation, along with my co-host, barbecue expert Dan Hathaway. Every week, we will be giving you the best tips on how you can grill and smoke your favorite meats, vegetables, and even desserts. Whether you're a beginner or a seasoned expert, our show is designed to help you become a better backyard barbecuer. Be sure and tune in on Saturdays at 1 p.m. and 11 p.m. Right here on Ag Talk, News, Weather, and Sports on KRVN, 880 AM Lexington, 106.9 FM Kearney, and 98.5 FM Grand Island, Nebraska. The Organic Crop Improvement Association, or OCIA, will host an Organic Farm Start series beginning in May. Angie Tunick, OCIA Marketing Director, says the live Zoom series will be for farmers to bring their questions about starting an organic operation. We'll have four certified farmers um, on that Zoom call um, where they can bring their questions and, and get their answers. And they'll they'll be live on their farm, so... Uh, a few of the farmers will have 
uh, I think they will be showing some of their equipment and and things that they do on farm. Uh, one of the farmers, Jack Geiger, who will be speaking, actually has a YouTube channel, uh, Geiger Farms, where he does a lot of uh, videotaping of you know what he does on farm. OCIA International does certify a variety of crops and more. There are a lot of organic greenhouses that we certify as well. Uh, aronia berries are popular in the Midwest. So, uh, yeah, there's just a variety of crops that people can certify and livestock also. Uh, we also certify organic processors so in processing facilities where they turn organic products into, you know, something else. Um, Tunick says it's not hard to become certified. There are just steps to doing it. An example is someone wanting to sell product from their goats, such as cheese, milk, soaps, and more. First, you would want to get the ground certified organic that that, that goat or the, the livestock is grazing upon. A specific application for crops and farmland that you would get that pasture certified. Uh, we have a second application to get livestock um, certified organic. We look at, you know, what you're feeding them, their health records, things like that. And then if you're processing their product uh, into something else, uh, you know, whether it's soaps or uh, skincare items, uh, then you would get certified. There's another application as a processor uh, that you would complete. The amount of time it takes to become organic can be a deterrent for some, but Tunic says it doesn't have to be. A lot of people are concerned that during the transition years, they're just not able to have any crops uh, during those 36 months of transition, um, and, and that's not true. I mean, they can still plant an untreated, non-GMO seed during the transition years and still sell that as conventional as they're transitioning, and then in that third year of transition, we ask that they plant a, a certified organic seed so that if they're able to get certified at the end of those 36 months, then they can sell that crop as organic and get that higher premium. Tunick says being a certified grower can also help soils become and stay healthy. You know, it just, it, it's a lot of less compaction, for one thing, um, in organic soils. Um, so we tend to see and notice that it's a little bit better uh, as far as, you know, being tolerant to the different, if there's too much rain or, or not enough rain, just gives you usually less compaction. Uh, as far as managing weeds and pests, a lot of that's done uh, through crop rotations uh, with several different types of crops, you know, even plowed under on it. So it just really helps to build up the soil. While based in Lincoln, Nebraska, OCIA is international able to certify crops and products organic around the world. OCIA's Organic Farms Starts series will be Tuesday, May 4th, from noon to 3 central. Anyone can register to attend through the website at ocia.org. Once on the page, scroll down to upcoming events. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman. It's time for Midday Sports, which means Jason Jorgensen now joining me here in the studio. And Well, we're getting closer and closer to the spring football game for the Nebraska football team. 
And uh, we're hearing from uh, a couple of the players. Yeah, that's right. One of Nebraska's top returners is kicker Connor Culp. In his first year as a Husker, the graduate transfer was, was pretty good. He was named first team All-Big Ten and was a Big Ten kicker of the year, and he's just looking to build on that success. Obviously very humbling, but that's in the past now. And uh, definitely looking forward to this season and uh, just take it one kick at a time. Last year, he was 13 of 15 on field goals and made all 20 extra point attempts. And he's looking forward to one final go with a big red. No, I'd love to have another opportunity to play in front of fans again. And also, it doesn't doesn't hurt too bad staying in college for another year either. So, um, no, I'm really excited for this year. Good way to look at it. He certainly was one of the positives from last <laughs> last fall. He was he was pretty good. That was my takeaway. <laughs> Finally, we got another kicker that knows what he's doing yeah. that can make some kicks for you. Because we had some trials and yeah. tribulations yeah. before. <laughs> so I think they're in good hands with Culp. The annual red white game is set for next Saturday. UNK's Carrie Amy has been selected as the winner of this year's Division II World Exposure Women's College Basketball Head Coach of the Year. She's certainly very deserving. Over the last six years, she and her staff have guided a big rebuild of the Loper program. This past year, they were 23-4. and They won a conference tournament championship and had just their third-ever NCAA Sweet 16 appearance. Kentucky's making its first appearance in the NCAA Women's Volleyball Semifinals tonight when they meet up against Washington and Omaha. Top-seeded and unbeaten Wisconsin meets Texas in the other semifinal. The winners play for the championship on Saturday. Of course, Kentucky is coached by former Husker assistant Craig Skinner. Also, Tyler, Texas was able to do something pretty remarkable with their cheap tweets after they beat Nebraska. <laughs> they managed to make all Husker volleyball fans a Wisconsin fan for one night true. only. That is true. One night only as they'd love to see the Badgers beat the Longhorns. They took down a majority of their tweets, Texas did, which, whatever. I mean, take them down. I don't care. But, you know, it's all good fun, I think. You know, there are cheap tweets. But listen, that's social media for you. But you're right. Now it's weird to be rooting for Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, absolutely tonight. And unfortunately, Tri-City Storm, they've hit a road bump here in the last week of the regular season. They dropped a season-high fourth consecutive game last night, losing at Sioux City 3-1. to one. They'll look to put things back together on Friday night at home with their final home game of the regular season. They're on the cusp of being conference champs. Season's just about over. There's only, what, a couple more games mm-hmm. after uh, last night? And then the uh, elongated uh, playoffs will begin after that. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. This is Greg Sharp coming up tonight here on Sports On It. We'll preview the Husker Baseball Series with Michigan State. We'll go beyond the headlines, and it's another edition of the Face-Off. That and more tonight here on Sports Nightly. Tune in to Sports Nightly on the Rural Voice of Nebraska, 880 KRVN. Time for Midday News. Dave Schroeder is back in the studio here. and Well, Dave, there was uh, some interesting uh, events taking place in southwest Nebraska earlier today. Yes. Last night. Yes. In the Danbury area of Red Willow County, there was a standoff last night. Uh, It appears to have been resolved with the arrest of one person who was sought on an active arrest warrant. It began around 9 p.m. and necessitated the activation of the Nebraska State Patrol's SWAT team. Mm. And we're awaiting the release of further information on this incident. 
Going off that, just real quick, yeah. where, the SWAT team, yes. I mean, where do they usually have? I mean, is there a well, SWAT in each kind of in location? Each, in each troop area, there is a SWAT team, okay. and so uh, this falls in the jurisdiction of Troop D, which right. would be based out of North Platte, right. but of course they... Troopers are stationed in all the most of the counties around the area. So, right. okay, you bet. Curious. Good question. Nebraska State Patrol troopers have arrested four people this week. Otherwise, after locating more than 230 pounds of marijuana and other controlled substances on Monday, a trooper observed a pickup failing to turn as it exited Interstate 80 at mile marker 231 in Dawson County. During the traffic stop, a canine detected the presence of a controlled substance. A search of the vehicle revealed 88 pounds of marijuana concealed in luggage in the bed of the pickup. Troopers also located THC pills, THC vape cartridges, as well as wax and gummies in the cab of the pickup. Three people were arrested. They're all from Georgia and booked into the Dawson County Jail. Then on Tuesday, late Tuesday morning, another trooper performed a traffic stop on a pickup, uh, which occurred near North Platte on Interstate 80. A search of that vehicle uh, revealed 146 pounds of marijuana in the pickup bed, as well as a small amount of methamphetamine in the cab of the pickup, a 51-year-old Indiana man taken into custody in that case. Central Community College in Lexington will be offering a basic welding training class June 9th through June 29th. The class will run Monday through Friday. Doug Pauley, the Associate Dean for Training and Development, will be leading the class. The participants will learn basic gas metal arc welding and then blueprint reading and safety. And so this 120-hour program would be a great introductory program for people that want to learn welding and want to um, get a good job. Well, those who successfully complete the program will receive a helmet, welding jacket, side cutter, and gloves. Contact Central Community College for more information about this class. A decades-long movement to reshape the American political map has taken an important further step. The House of Representatives has approved a bill that would turn the nation's capital into the 51st state. The bill proposes creating a new state with one representative and two senators, a tiny sliver of land including the White House, the U.S. Capitol, and National Mall would remain as a federal district. Reporting on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Troy. Bryce Duske joining you now on the Rural Radio Network. The Spicer Ranch of Loop County has been selected as a recipient of the 2021 Nebraska Leopold Conservation Award. This prestigious award recognizes farmers and ranchers who inspire others with their dedication to land, water, and wildlife habitat resources that are in their care. Bruce and Sue Ann Schweitzer, along with their children, Sarah Sortum and Adam Schweitzer, own and operate the ranch. I'm joined now by Sarah Sortum to discuss the award. Sarah, first and foremost, I want to say congratulations to you and your family for receiving this award. Thank you. We're very, very honored to receive it. Tell us a little bit more about the ranch. You guys uh, have the ranch, and you also operate uh, a kind of e- agritourism side of this as well. Yeah, we do. Uh, you know, we're we're just kind of your normal Sandhills ranch as far as, you know, we've been here since 1904. My family were Kincaders that came out here to the Sandhills and primarily cow-calf operation uh, all those years. And then when my brother and I were looking for ways to come back to the family ranch around the year 2000 and 2001, 
we needed to have some more revenue come in to make that happen. And so we turned to agritourism, and it's been really good for us. That side of the business has really grown right alongside our ranching business. We've continued to try and improve both uh, revenue streams on our place here because both really take advantage of the landscape and our natural resources, and it's been really fulfilling to accomplish our family goal of living and working on the land together. Talk about some of the conservation things that uh, you and your family have implemented and uh, why you got started really focusing on that. Yeah, you know, I have to say a lot of it started about 12 to 15 years ago when we started to get more of our tourism guests coming out to our ranch. And and they kind of helped pique our curiosity about a few of our, our native species. You know, we were just kind of humming along and, and thinking everything was pretty much okay because we... We have healthy land, we have uh, healthy bird populations, but what we didn't realize is that the sandhills really serve as a, a last stronghold for a lot of these species. And the role we have to play as land stewards is really, really important to make sure that we maintain and conserve this really essential habitat. So it kind of piqued our curiosity. We started to learn more and more, uh, especially about grassland birds. And the more we learned, the more we realized that we could make some really, you know, good changes in our operation that would not only really benefit our birds, but would really benefit our ranching operation of custom grazing as well. So it was a real win-win for us uh, when we started to do that. We started to incorporate some biodiversity goals, mainly focused on our uh, species of greater prairie chicken and sharp-tailed grouse. We really wanted to zero in on those resident species. We felt like if we do a really good job taking care of them, we're going to catch a lot of other species under that umbrella and, and do good by them as well. And that I think that's really proven to be true for us. We've been very excited with what we've been seeing on the landscape. So, you know, using uh, prescribed fire for invasive red cedar control has been a big part of that. Identifying critical areas like the, the breeding grounds, of these birds and also the nesting areas, providing the food and cover that they need, um, utilizing uh, rotational grazing. You know, that all comes together and we feel really good about how the ranch looks right now. Looking at some of the information about uh, about your operation, it it looks like you found some partners in this space. Talk a little bit more about that. And if you don't mind, I think that's an interesting part of this conversation because not all uh, farmers or ranchers know the number of resources out there, whether it's cost sharing or just getting some advice in this space. Absolutely. You know, uh, collaborating with partners has been a huge part of our uh, success story. I really feel like Without all the progressive and positive partners we've had, we certainly wouldn't have been able to make the strides that we have in this short amount of time. Um, So, you know, we've worked with a lot of in-state organizations from Audubon, Nebraska, to Sandhills Task Force, Game and Parks, um, uh, Nebraska Cattlemen. You know, we've worked with a lot of in-states. We've also worked with organizations that have a broader scope. We work with the Nature Conservancy, World Wildlife Fund, you know, just organizations that are out there really to support what you want to, and also work across fence lines. We work with our neighbors, really good neighbors, to have more of a landscape scale uh, project, which has been really important to us as well. 
Sir, I happen to check out uh, your website with Calamus Outfitters. you got a, uh, obviously a robust one as part of the agritourism. If somebody wants to learn more about your ranch and Calamus Outfitters, what's the best way for them to do so? Is it through the website? Yeah, our website, calamusoutfitters.com, is a great way to. And they're always welcome to just pick up the phone and give us a call. Uh, even better, come visit us. Very good. Sarah, final words from you. What else would you like to add about receiving the Nebraska Leopold Conservation Award this year? Well, just thank you to Sand County Foundation and their partners for supporting this award. Uh, It's a great program, and again, we're very humbled and honored to be recipients of it. Um, We just, we're looking forward to this year sharing our story and and highlighting the really good work that's being done on private lands in Nebraska. That is Sarah Sortem of the Swizer Ranch of Loop County, Nebraska, the recipients of the 2021 Nebraska Leopold Conservation Award. I'm Bryce Tuesday reporting on the Rural Radio Network. With the business report for Thursday, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks are slightly lower in trading on Wall Street, pulled down by banks and technology companies. Investors continue to focus on individual companies as the quarterly earnings reporting season rolls on. AT&T rose after releasing results that beat expectations, held by higher wireless phone charges, as well as the success of its streaming service, HBO Max. The weekly jobless claims report is out, and claims are lower than expected. More from Cheryl Cassone. We have a new pandemic low for this initial claims number. The initial claims for last week coming in at 547,000. That is better than expected from the week prior, which they've just revised to 586,000. As for the continuing number, that also came in better than expected. The continuing claims, the expectation was 3.667. We came in at 3.674. Fox's Shiro Casson. Sales of previously occupied U.S. homes fell in March for the second straight month as by grappled with a stubbornly low inventory of available properties and fierce competition pushed prices to new highs. The National Association of Realtors says existing home sales fell 3.7% last month from February to a seasonally adjusted rate of 6.01 million annualized units. Jaguar Land Rover is suspending production at two U.K. factories, becoming the latest automaker to fall victim to a global shortage of microchips. The British luxury car brand says it's experiencing some COVID-19 supply chain disruption, including the global availability of semiconductors. It says the shortage is having an impact on production schedules and its ability to meet global demand for some vehicles. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. Welcome to another edition of our Women in Ag series brought to you by Tyson and Nebraska College of Technical Agriculture. We're here with Erin Fay Stats of Knuckles County. Erin Fay, your mother-in-law Mary nominated you and says you and your husband Stefan have taken on the cow-calf production of the farm operation. Tell us more about that. Fortunately, it's something that I enjoy with my husband most days. Um, We have cow-calf operation, and then we also have a small feedlot. And so every day is definitely an adventure because you never know what you're going to come across. But for the most part, we're very blessed to be in the ag community and be able to do something that we love. So how has the calving season been going for you? It has been good this year. We actually missed out on the terribly cold temperatures. 
Um, we're calving right now. Um, everything has been healthy, and as soon as I say that, I will regret it. But <laughs> um, we actually run my in-laws' cattle with our own, and it's just a commercial herd. It's nice to have years like this um, because they're not always this nice. 2019 was a horrible year for a lot of cattle producers. And so every day we go out and there's healthy calves running around. We are thrilled. <laughs> Aaron Fay, I understand you did a lot in FFA in high school. Tell us how that has carried over into volunteering with your local chapter. Yes. Yep. Um, I am as much as they will ask me to. Um, I was an FFA in high school and then I also was a state officer in 99-2000. So FFA has been a big part of my life. Now I like to help the Lawrence Nelson chapter whenever I can with public speaking or range judging is kind of my favorite area. We never stop learning and I think they need to see that. So. Well, you sure are busy, as along with making sure the calves are safe and helping with FFA, you also work full-time as an office manager of a local aerial service. So what's going on in the aerial business right now? Right now, um, we are in the midst of our pasture spraying season. Um, We do the aerial spraying um, in the spring and fall, so we're doing our spring applications. And then um, because we are so close to Kansas, we have an um, alfalfa wheel run we're dealing with now, too. So um, it's a very seasonal business. In July, you probably wouldn't have me on the phone because I would be going crazy answering phones and meeting with farmers um, for corn and soybean, fungicide spraying. Erin Faye, what's your favorite part of being a woman submerged, as it sounds, in agriculture? I would say... My favorite part is just being blessed that we are in a community that is so supportive. Um, We can all have our differences. If you're a corn farmer versus a cattle rancher, we're all in it together. And so that is a a very cool industry to me, that we're all very supportive. Um, Even if you have different views, when it comes down to it, we all have each other's back. Erin Faye, you have a great day, and thanks for joining us. Tomorrow, we'll continue our Women in Ag series, brought to you by Nebraska College of Technical Agriculture and Tyson. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman. on the World Radio Network as we check in on the closing grain trade with John Payne, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the Daily Newsletter this week in grain. John, are we starting to approach the price levels in this grain complex given the fact we're limit higher in the corn complex at different times of the day, higher in the wheat complex? But is now the time when farmers, they look out, you know, whether they still have some old crop on the farm or they're looking out at the deferred contracts. Really, it's decision time, but the way this market has been bullish, it's one that you don't want to miss out on that next like higher nah I mean this is where it becomes almost a detriment to follow this stuff every day you know you can get really really myopic into what you should have done and I think it's uh, that's going to be a dangerous spot so you know think clearly and don't get over leveraged would be the best advice I can give somebody as far as trading ahead of this uh, certainly you know we're, we're offering good value for next year's crops and um, you know the market is worried about supply mainly out of Brazil but I think 
China today sniffing around the European markets and, and looking at potentially some U.S. wheat. They still have phase one requirements to meet. So I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe they relax those. That could be something to watch for to maybe pull this back, but it doesn't mean that it'll change the story. Um, you know, I, I've watched... Well, it's going to be a long 24 hours for folks' short calls, especially on the May side. So it'll be wild tonight. There's still plenty to consider, and we are about to go into delivery here within the next week on some of these May contracts, seeing that first glimpse at it. Do you expect to really see any fireworks, So once we get into that season? Yeah. I mean, this isn't a weather rally in the U.S., that's for sure. There's some problems and pockets here that have problems, but this is a supply short squeeze that, you know, I think the market wasn't really used to. And I think a lot of people are looking for speculators to blame here. This is nothing to do with speculation. This is all about covering supply that you're not going to have. And, you know, I think you have a market that's sure bought. I mean, we're up here at price levels. I know, you know, a lot of multinational corporations, their boards will approve purchases of commodities. And I think then they don't like do it on a day-to-day basis. I think a lot of folks are going to wake up here in their quarterly meetings and be, what well, we just missed the opportunity of $50, $60 a metric ton in wheat. You know, we're right back to where we were this year, and they still have to buy. Whereas in the years past, a lot of times they had the good price at this time of the year. It just rolled into their hands, and that strategy obviously is going to change now. So short term, I think there's more up. Um, you know, I look for a test tier seven on that May potentially. It doesn't have to be this week, you know, potentially in the delivery, but that's where the Brazilian markets are. So until those correct um, and we can get some imports into Brazil to, you know, to replace, I don't know where they're going to come from, but uh, certainly going to see some problems here. That is John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. You can learn more at danielsagmarketing.com. Again, that's danielsagmarketing.com. Do remember, train future adoption involved risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. All right, thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up this Thursday edition of Midday. If you miss anything, you can catch the Midday Podcast, sponsored by Deveni Motors, wherever Podcasts are available or krvn.com.